I often reading in the book of Psalms, especially, I come across the phrase in there where the psalmist cries out to God, Arise, O God. It's like he's challenging God. Oh, God, move. Oh, God, do something. Rise up, O God, and shine. And you know, that's an exciting challenge, isn't it? And you know, God challenges us that way. He says, hey, oh, that my people might not become stagnant and cold, and but be stirred and revived. And these are exciting days to be living in, amen, and serving the Lord and, and getting the gospel out to a lost world. On the back of your bulletin, there are 30-some missionary families and ministries listed there. We don't call your attention to them too often, and we thank God for each one of them. We hope during the week you go down through there, and they may be total strangers to you, but God knows who they are, and he certainly prays uh, you can pray for them. And one of those is Dean and Sylvia Hebron, uh, a couple here in our church and who are involved in ministry there in Mexico. And Dean just made a trip there. Many of you were praying for him and uh, that uh, Wally was there as well. And he's going to come take a few minutes right now and just share with us uh, a word of testimony. We appreciate Dean and Sylvia and their faithfulness to the Lord. God bless you. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor, and most of you know that I teach for a Bible school in Pachuca, Mexico, a little bit, hour and a half or so above or north of Mexico City, but I do it online. Uh, Sylvia and I w lived there for eight years, but the effect on the altitude was a problem for her health, and we had to come back, but they still need somebody, and so I'm able to teach online, so about e try to go every year and meet the new students. Otherwise, I joke with them and I tell them I'm just a ghost on the wall because the projector projects my image and my PowerPoints and so forth on the wall. So I keep joking with them that I'm just a ghost on the wall. So I like to go and, and the, uh, the purpose of that this year, that main purpose of getting to know the students was, was uh, fulfilled wonderfully. But I wanna give you a testimony about some other things that happened. But Yes, I did get to meet the new students. In fact, I didn't get to go last year, so I was meeting two years of new students who, I'm, who, who I'd never met face-to-face, -face. and that's always the good part. We can have classes together, and I can be there actually with them and, and joke with them a little bit so they get to know me as a, as a human being, as I say, and uh, that was wonderful, but there were three special blessings this time, and, I, and so I want to thank you for praying for me. I want to testify as to how good the Lord is in situations where we don't think there's uh, a, an option. Mainly, I went, <clears throat> I was sick when I arrived, didn't really realize it, and then got there and couldn't sleep the first night, had some problems with my voice and cold problems and drainage and coughing and all that kind of stuff. And yet, the Lord took care of that to the point where I, I lost my voice a couple of times, but I never, well, I talk too much. That's the problem. But I didn't lose my voice in class, and that was, uh, that was the blessing for that. And so, and in defense of myself, by the way, I'm talking to people I haven't seen in years. So, anyway, but uh, that was great, and the students expressed appreciation for being able to get to know me in class. And, and also, I had lunch with them uh, most of the days that I was there for a week and a half. So that was wonderful. Also, as, as I guess most of you realize, this time the altitude, uh, we don't know any other reason, the altitude affected my blood pressure, went fairly high, 166 over 101 was the worst that I 
registered. And the interesting thing was there didn't seem to be any option. Uh, Sylvia talked with a cardiologist here in the office of the cardiologist I go to, and she was worried about uh, pleural edema, anyway, lungs, uh, fluid in the lungs and so forth that can happen at high altitudes. And I, as I say, I didn't think I had any options. I thought, well, could I double my blood pressure medication? But this this, uh, cardiologist said, no, that's not a good idea. And anyway, she said, he needs to get his lungs checked. So... That's, as I say, uh, sometimes you're faced with a situation where you don't think you've got any option. There's nothing you can do. There's, there's nothing you can accomplish to try to get the problem taken care of. So here's where your prayer came in. The Lord worked in that uh, the colleagues that I was staying with go to a doctor, a young lady there in Pachuca, uh, who is the daughter of one of the seminary professors, one of the Mexican, well, they're all Mexican except for me, and um, she's also a former piano student of Sylvia's. So I knew her as a teenager uh, about 12 years ago, I'm figuring, and I said, well, great, she can check my lungs and, you know, whatever. So we get to Dr., uh, well, her name is Ruth, so she's Dr. Ruth. Don't Don't think of another connection with that, but... Uh, sweet young lady and still young. She has a child and a, and a husband, uh, another of my former students, her husband. But um, I went over there and I, and I told her, I said, never 12 years ago would I have imagined consulting with you as a doctor. But it was wonderful. She is excellent. And uh, Sylvia and I have talked before about doctors that make you feel at ease, that give you confidence. And that's the way Ruth was. And I sat there with her and just thinking, the Lord's answering prayer. She, she did tweak my medication a little bit. She doubled the one diuretic I take, which is good because that helps to control edema. Checked my lungs, they were fine. Checked my heart, it was fine. Checked my brain, well, anyway. Um, <clears throat> but she, she just gave me that confidence that the Lord was working. And so, uh, and she gave me a couple of other things that weren't actually blood pressure medications that would just help in the situation. And she did give me something because it registered high in her office, brought the blood pressure down to almost normal, but I never had another problem. And I just praise the Lord for that because, again, I, to me it looked like there were no options. In fact, we were talking about the possibility of me coming home early, which would be a $200 penalty for Delta Airlines, but at any rate. Uh, it was just wonderful that I could stay the whole time I had planned and the Lord t- uh, didn't have to be concerned about the blood pressure anymore. So there's, a, there's just, I want you to see how your prayers ended up and how God worked, how wonderful he is. The other area, the third area, is that I always visit our former neighbors on our little street there, Puerto Azul in Pachuca, and It was a great time. Uh, The afternoon I saw the one set of neighbors, I was exhausted. I had to eat two lunches because I had made the mistake of eating lunch at the seminary and then got there without thinking. They eat lunch later, so I'm going to have to eat something else that that, uh, this neighbor uh, Leticia fixed. So I visited with Leticia and Benito, but they had other people there, and it was kind of a confused time, and I was exhausted. But that evening, after a, a nice little siesta, I got to visit with the other neighbors, Tomas and Girmina, and their son, Beto. And, uh, you know, we've witnessed to them before, 
But, and Tomas is a kind of a character. I, he's the, one of the three hardest Mexicans for me to understand that there are. I, I always tell Sylvia I can kind of keep the thread of the conversation, but I don't get all of it. And one time when we were sitting with him, she turned to me and said, what did he say? And I don't know what I said, but he must have seen my confusion. I told her later, please don't say that anymore because <laughs> I didn't know what he said. But at any rate, this time, Tomas got to talking about and when he starts talking, his wife just kind of, you know, she went and started fixing food. She's the real serious Catholic in the family. And he's skeptical and so forth. But he got to talking about beliefs and faith, and I was kind of interested in that. And then he said, I have some relatives in the States who, I forget what, re what religion they are. And I knew exactly who he was talking about because his wife has a sister that lives in Maryland who's what they call evangelical, meaning she's more like us, that is, not Catholic, and believes in salvation without works. So I knew he was talking about. And he said, and they believe you can go directly to heaven. And I couldn't think of anything else to say. I said, yo tampoco, yo, yo tambien, me too. And he gave me this look like, Really? Well, it just, you know, it was one of those silver platter opportunities, and I got to witness to him more than I ever had before and explain clearly just what Pastor was talking about a little bit ago, why we can have confidence we can go to, to be with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord, and uh, about God's remedy for sin. It's not by works. It's not by, and it, I just, the Lord gave me that opportunity, and he was just like kind of, <laughs> looking at me like I was crazy a little bit but and although Guillermina wasn't sitting with us I know she must have heard because it's a small space and she was preparing food and everything so I would appreciate your prayer for Tomas and Guillermina that's the feminine form in Spanish for the name William but at any rate uh, and Beto and uh, it just impressed me this time to see God working in such you know, I'm not going to say spectacular ways, but they were pretty spectacular in my life at that point. And uh, again, I want you to know that when you pray for missionaries, things happen. God works in response to our prayers. Those were pretty clear indications. And, uh, and just God is good. We can all praise him for what he does. And so there's somebody who, who lives half the time in Mexico City, half the time in Pachuca, who needs the Lord, they desperately need the Lord, and God's now working in their lives. So more, as I say, got more of a chance to explain than ever before. So praise the Lord for that, and I thank you for thinking about me when I was in Mexico. Thank you so much, Dean. Isn't it encouraging to see how God can use your prayers, amen, many times? And, and of course, when you see someone, you, you know them personally, but many times... You may see a name on a piece of paper and you're praying for them. And whether you know them personally or not, it, it's encouraging to be reminded that those prayers are important. Amen? All right, we'll dismiss all the children up through age eight, unless they've already gone. All the children, if you want to go to Children's Church, you're welcome to leave at this time. We appreciate all our faithful workers, all the children up through age eight. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans, chapter 1. The New Testament book of Romans chapter 1, we appreciate you being here today. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Just the fellowship together, listening to the instruments play, the choir sing, singing together, the congregational songs. God uses it all for his glory 
and to minister to our hearts and lives. Amen. Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to begin with verse 1 and read a few verses, and then we'll just look into the Word of God for a few minutes this morning. Romans chapter 1, and I'll begin reading with verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, that is the gospel which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, and the gospel that's concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayers, <clears throat> making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you, also even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I think you would agree with me today that there has never been a believer or a Christian, whatever term you want to use, who has been more dedicated and committed to getting the gospel out than the Apostle Paul was after he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. Now, I don't think it would be right for me to stand here and say that there have not been many other believers down through the centuries who perhaps by the grace of God have been as devoted and as committed as the Apostle Paul, but I don't think you'll find one who was more committed or devoted to Jesus Christ than the Apostle Paul was. He said, matter of fact, records in the very first verse, he calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ, a sent one, that's what the word apostle there means, who was separated, completely sold out, and committed, giving his life. Now, did he have other responsibilities? Sure he did. Did he have to work to make a living? Sure he did. He was just human like all of us. But in all of it, he was completely committed and devoted 
to getting this message of the gospel out to the lost world. And he mentions here that this message down into the end of verse 5 is for all nations of the world. All nations of the world. And the reason he was committed is because he was so convinced that it was real. Amen. Some Holy Spirit rock conviction. He was convinced that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was the message that everybody in his generation and every generation to come after that. And here we are nearly 2,000 years later. He was convinced that this was the message of the truth that man needed to hear. And that's what motivated him to be so committed and devoted to that. But why was he so convinced? It's because he himself had personally experienced what the Bible calls a conversion or a salvation experience. Paul knew the change that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone had brought into his life. And we're going to be reminded of that in just a moment. But notice here in Romans chapter 1 that Paul said down in verse 14, he said, I'm debtor. Paul believed you ought to pay your debts. How many of you believe a good Christian ought to pay their debts? Amen? Now, sometimes we get behind, we struggle, we want to get caught up. We ought to pay our debt. Paul said, I owe a debt. I'm indebted. He said there in verse 14, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. By the way, the Greeks thought anyone that wasn't a Greek was a barbarian. Both to the wise and the unwise. What he's saying there is, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew, Gentile, educated, uneducated, whatever pigeonhole of society you may have been placed in. He said, I am indebted to get the gospel out to anyone and everyone that I possibly can. Now, Paul wasn't indebted because he was trying to pay for his sins. He wasn't saying, man, I owe a debt. He wasn't saying, I, I, I've got to do penance and, and, and do all these good works to pay for my sins. He's not saying, I owe a debt because of all the persecution that I brought on Christians before I became a born-again Christian. No, he's not saying, he's saying, hey, because of what God's grace and mercy has done in my life, and God has revealed the truth of this gospel to me, look what Jesus Christ, look at the change and the salvation and the conversion that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone has brought in my life. Therefore, surely I am indebted to do all that I can to get this gospel out to anyone and everyone in the whole wide world. By the way, every one of us ought to feel that indebted, amen, to share that gospel and get it out. Not only did he say I'm indebted in verse 14, but he says in verse 15, so as much as in me is, meaning from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, as he already said in verse 1, I'm completely separated and committed. This is my goal in life for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. I am ready to preach the gospel even to you that are in Rome. Now, Rome was the superpower that day. Roman pretty much controlled the world of that day, at least Paul's world. And the word ready there means, it means more than just I'm prepared. I'm, I'm prepared. I got my message ready and, and I'm all prepared. I got my luggage ready and man, I'm set sail for Rome. The word ready there doesn't necessarily mean prepared. It means eager. I'm ready, I'm excited, I'm burdened, amen. We sang a song a minute ago, Rise, O Men. By the way, we can include the women there, amen. You know what? Last Sunday morning we preached on soul winning. And Paul said, listen, I'm indebted. By the way, that implies in a sense I have an obligation. My goodness, I have a responsibility. 
to, 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 to share this. It's not just for me. Hallelujah. It's good to sit here this morning and sing, uh, you know, what a day that we, we'll all be in heaven one day. We're going to see Jesus. But you know what? Doesn't that also imply that I'm indebted? I have an obligation and responsibility to get this gospel out to the whole wide world as much as possible. But it's not just out of obligation and responsibility. Paul said, wow, what a privilege. What a privilege. Now, for Paul, God's will was for him to be an apostle. Now, there are no apostles today. There are some who say, well, that apostolic uh, has been passed down and they claim to be apostles. No, we're ambassadors for Christ, every one of us. God has different plans for each of our lives. God calls some to be missionaries, some to be pastors, evangelists. The book of Ephesians teaches us that. God calls some into full-time Christian work. We divide it into full, uh, secular work. We all ought to be full-time Christians, amen, serving the Lord. Your factory is your mission field. Your home is your mission field. The area you live in, that's your mission field, amen. And he says, hey, what a, I'm ready, I'm eager. Wow, what a privilege. What a privilege to be a born-again Christian, to be an ambassador for Christ. And to be able to share the best news ever. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm not only indebted and I'm not only ready or eager. In verse 16 he said, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. No matter how foolish some may think the gospel is. And he said, I'm not ashamed. Now here's Paul. Many believe that Paul perhaps was one of the greatest scholars of his day. He could stand on Mars Hill and was an even match with the greatest philosophers of his day. <laughs> Don't put me on Mars Hill, amen. I'll speak hillbilly to him, but I'm not sure I can, you know. Hey, some of you, here was Paul. And Paul said, listen, it's not a matter of the mind and the brain and intelligence or your position in society. It's a matter of faith. And I'm not ashamed of this message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Because Paul knew what Jesus Christ had done for him. He had been converted. He had been changed. And therefore, he was, and he was convinced of it, and he was committed to get that gospel out to a lost world. Go with me to the book of Acts real quick, Acts chapter 9. And three times in the book of Acts, go backwards in your Bible. I'm going forward. I'm going the wrong direction. Let me turn around. And go right before the book of Romans is the book of Acts. Three times in the book of Acts, we find Paul's testimony, his conversion testimony, his salvation testimony. Now, I love to hear people give testimonies. You heard the story about one, you know, churches used to have testimonies more than we do now. We used to have them a lot on Sunday night. It's hard to get folk to talk anymore. You know why? Because we forgot how to talk. Except preacher, preachers still know how to talk. A fellow one time, church was having testimony, and the story was told. I don't know if it's true or not, and I'll just call him George. I don't know what his name was. Every Sunday night, the preacher, all right, anybody got a word of testimony? And boy, before he could get it out of his mouth, old George would stand up, and, and he kind of had a speech impediment. He said, Pastor, I just want to say, praise the Lord for saving my soul, setting my feet on the solid rock, making me whole, amen, and sit back down. Well, the next time the preacher would say, well, let's take a minute or two. Anybody have a word out? And before he could get it out of his mouth, old George would pop up, say the same thing every time. The pastor, I just want to praise the Lord, save my soul, set my feet on the solid rock. Just glory, glory to his name. Sit back down. 
Well, this went on and on, and, and one day one of the men in the church came to the pastor. The pastor said, something kind of annoyed me. He said, every time you ask for testimony, oh, George, but he won't even wait till you get it out of your mouth. And he, and he said the same thing every time. But he looked at my toes at my feet on solid rock. And said, you think we could do something about that? And the pastor went, yep. He said, I tell you what. The next time I get ready to have tests, you get up before George does. You beat him up, amen. You get up, said, oh. Hey, if it was from his heart, I love testimony. But you know what? Now I said all this. I especially, and this is just me, I especially enjoy hearing people give their testimony about when they're saved, when they were saved. And, how, and, and, and we all get saved the same way through Christ. Some, different ages, some were saved in church, some were saved out in the cornfield, some were saved at the hospital, and the circumstances may be different. Matter of fact, to be truthful with you, I love to hear myself give my own testimony. I do, I, I, and, and I don't have time to share that with you, but I look back and see how God worked in my life as a 14-year-old teenager. Now, we all got saved the same way if you're saved, and we all have the same salvation, but the circumstances are different. And I love to hear people give their testimony. Well, what happened in Paul's life? Well, three times in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 9, the writer of the book of Acts gives his testimony. And then two times in the book of Acts, we find Paul himself giving his own personal testimony in Acts 22 and Acts 26. Now, we don't have time to even scratch the surface, but look at Acts chapter 9. Well, actually, go back to Acts chapter 7. My goodness, we got five minutes. We got plenty of time, don't we? <laughs> At the end of Acts chapter 7, a born-again Christian has been martyred for Christ. His name is Stephen. Remember that? He's been stoned. <laughs> By the way, everybody doesn't love Jesus. Some people hate the gospel. And Stephen was been stoned. And at the very end of Acts chapter 7, verse 55, 58, Acts 7, verse 58 says, And as they were stoning and casting stones at Stephen, they laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So the first time we meet this Saul of Tarsus, who we know as the Apostle Paul, the first time we meet him here at the end of Acts chapter 7, he's standing there giving consent to Stephen being martyred for the cause of Christ holding the clothes, the coats, the sweaters of those who are throwing the stones as a young man, as a young man. Then in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, and this Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church. And verse 3 of Acts 8 says, and as for this Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women and committing them to prison. Wow, doesn't sound like a very good friend of Jesus or the gospel, does it? And then you come over to Acts chapter 9, and verse 1 says that Saul was breathing out threatenings. As a matter of fact, it's something he was obsessed. He was certainly, certainly influenced by demonic influences. He was the arch enemy of the gospel and Jesus Christ and Christianity. And here, it's almost... Acts 9, verse 1, with every breath. I mean, he was just, you talk about somebody devoted and committed to a cause. Here was Paul, Saul of Tarsus, committed to wiping out Christianity, wiping out the gospel, 
not even having the name of Jesus mentioned. <laughs> Sounds like we got a few people in America made out of the same spirit, doesn't it? And it says that he's on his way, verse 2 of Acts 9, to Damascus, to the synagogues, and if he found any of this way of Christianity, men or women, it didn't matter, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And Acts 9, verse 3 says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. God Almighty, in all of his holiness and all of his mercy and grace, knocked Saul of Tarsus down to the dust of the ground that day. And by the way, symbolically speaking, that's where God has to knock every one of us before we'll come to the place where we'll acknowledge our sin and come with a repentant heart and put our faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. He may not literally put you on the ground or in a hospital bed, but symbolically speaking, he has to bring every one of us to the end of ourselves where we lose that old self-righteous pride and acknowledge our sin and look to Jesus. And that happened to the Apostle Paul. We don't have time, but you go on down through that chapter and later you find Paul preaching and teaching the gospel that he once persecuted. As a matter of fact, it could all be summarized. Jot this verse down. Galatians chapter 1, verse 23. Jot that reference down. Galatians chapter 1, verse 23 says this, that the Christians rejoiced that Paul was now preaching the gospel that at one time he sought to destroy. Wow, what a conversion. What a change. You know, I've often thought over the years, how many of uh, here Saul of Tarsus, the arch enemy of Christianity, and how many believers sincerely prayed a prayer like this, God, just kill him. God, just move him off the scene. God, just get rid of him. And God said, you know what? I'll do something better than that. I'll turn the wolf into a lamb. How about that? Amen. Hey, listen. When Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, Paul knew what he was talking about. Amen. Do you and I know? Do we really, have we experienced that salvation, experienced that conversion? And in our world today and even in America, do we still believe, do we really still believe that that message, that simple message in a nutshell, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, was buried and rose again, still contains the dynamite of God. And when that seed is planted and God's people are praying, that that dynamite of God's gospel can go off and souls can still be saved. And by the way, it's happening all over the world, amen. Jesus Christ is building his church. Now, if we had time, we could go to Acts 22. And Paul is before a multitude of people, and he shares his testimony. In Acts chapter 26, he's before King Agrippa and another crowd of people. And he gives his testimony, and much of it is word for word what we find here. And he says in Acts 22 that it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he says on one occasion, he said, I was so obsessed. I was like a wild man. I was just almost crazy. I was just so determined. And by the way, Saul of Tarsus was no Hitler. He was no atheist. He was no wicked. He was a religious man. Isn't it amazing the harm that's been done in this world 
because of man-made religion. And some of it's even called Christianity, isn't it? Someone said to me a while ago, or, or a few days ago, said, or Pastor Hall said, we're not really into this religion. Said that, that was my mother, and that was good for her, and I'm glad it helped her, but we're not really into this religion. I said, well, ma'am, I'm not into religion either, and that's not what your mother was in. We're talking about a relationship with God, not religion but a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's a world of difference between... Now, there is, a, there is James teaches us there is a legitimate religion and so forth and so on, but not what man calls religion. Somebody said religion will put you in the nut house. Well, it will. Man-made religion, it'll put you in the nut house. Amen. But a relationship with Jesus Christ will help you know how to have forgiveness of sins and peace with God. Paul, from personal experience, you're talking about changing from darkness to light. And Paul didn't lose his zeal. Matter of fact, he taught us, he teaches us in Romans chapter 6, all that zeal, all that commitment, all that devotion you had before you became a Christian, whether it was to some false religion or whether it was to sin in the world, man, don't lose your zeal, just change masters, amen. Now that you get saved, rise up. And just be that committed and that devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes to the Romans, even the Romans in Romans chapter 1, and says, look, I know, I know from personal experience what religion can do for you and what Jesus Christ can do for you. Amen? I know where sin can lead you and I know where the Savior can lead you. I know the change. I know the conversion. I know the power of that gospel in my own life. And therefore, I'm convinced and I'm committed and give my life to getting this gospel out to a lost world. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? From time to time, we need to be reminded to stay focused. So many good activities and good things we can get involved in. And sometimes they can be used as a means to reach people and touch people and share the gospel. But the greatest need of the hour today is the gospel of Jesus Christ as we preached last Sunday on Soul Winning. May God stir our hearts today, whether it's the neighbors across the street, the co-worker, the president in the White House, People all around the world. That's why missionary work. We, you and I can only be, humanly speaking, one place at a time, but through praying and giving and sending others and praying for others and encouraging others, we can have a little part in getting the gospel to all the nations of the world. All the nations of the world. Do you know that Jesus is your Jesus this morning? Have you experienced that change? Have you been born again? Would you stand with me, please, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed? Father, I pray today that the Holy Spirit will do what none of us can do, humanly speaking. Take the truth of your word, O oh God, and burn it deep into our hearts. God, if there's one here in this service who's not absolutely sure that he or she has truly experienced this new birth, this change, this conversion that Paul was talking about. The power of the gospel 
That's by faith in the finished work of Christ. Not, as we've already been reminded, built on a system of works and self-righteousness. Then God draw that one to you today. May they come to Jesus, come to Jesus, and find forgiveness of sin and salvation. And God, stir our hearts. Stir our hearts, O God, to not grow cold and unconcerned and lose our burden. But God, do all we can to get this gospel out to a lost world. Speak to our hearts today, O God. Accomplish your will and purpose. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed and the piano is playing, how many of you as a testimony to God's, only to God's grace and mercy can say, Pastor, I know I've experienced that same experience that Paul experienced. I know Jesus is my Savior. If I died today, I'd be in heaven with him because I'm trusting in the finished work of Jesus and Jesus alone. Would you raise your hand as a testimony to that? Just to the glory of God. Thank you. You may take your hands down. Now, I couldn't see everybody who had a hand up. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. Or maybe it's because you didn't understand. Or maybe you didn't want to raise it. But if you couldn't raise your hand because you don't know, maybe you're confused, you're not sure, would you let someone pray with you and help you? Would you just give us a couple of minutes of your time? Nudge the person beside of you, they'll let you out. Just come down the aisle, I'll meet you here at the front, and you just tell me what's on your heart. We'll let one of our ladies, one of our men, sit down with you one-on-one, -on -one. no obligation to this church, help you get that thing settled. The greatest decision in this life knowing Jesus Christ is your Savior. Can we help you with that? Would you come right now? Come to, Jesus said, come unto me. That's our invitation. Come to Jesus. Come unto me. Look and live. Look and live. Come to Jesus. And then again today, we challenge you to grab a handful of tracts, pray, go out here this week and let God use you you don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a pastor. But if you're a child of God, let God use you to be a channel of that gospel to someone this week. I'm going to ask the pianist to play one more verse, and that'll be all. If we can help you, please come forward. Right where you stand, just do business with the Lord. What a challenge to be committed, sold out, give your life over, Letting the Lord use you to get that message of Jesus out to a lost world. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Well, if you're glad you're saved and going to heaven by the grace of God, say Amen. Amen. Good day. God bless you. Be back here tonight. Invite someone with you. Have a good afternoon.